so. Last week, we talked about the upper story, God's passion to walk with human beings. And I think that everyone here can imagine Adam and Eve in their perfect state and God coming down visibly to walk with them in the cool of the night. I think we can imagine that scenario of walking with God. But the question today is, how do you walk with God now? How do you walk with God knowing that we are damaged by sin and knowing God's not coming visibly right now? You've got to walk with this invisible God. How do you walk with that God? How do regular people walk with that God? So we have uh, Enoch, and it says simply this, that Enoch walked with God and that he pleased God. And that's wonderful, except that we get no details of what that looked like. Then we have Noah, and it says that Noah found grace with God, and Noah walked with God. And once again, however much we appreciate that, we don't get, what does this look like? How How did he walk with God? What does that mean? Well, today... We're going to look at a guy that Paul says is the example for all those that believe. He is throughout scripture referred to as the friend of God. God wants to help us today show what it is to walk with him today. So could we stand in honor of God's word? And we'll get into this. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. Maybe we don't have the verses. If we don't have the verses, we have the verses. Here we go. Sometimes they like to play with me up there. Here we go. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth will be blessed. Could we pray together? Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here as the only real teacher. Would you come and teach each one? Lord, I'm going to give one message. Would you break up the bread, the loaves, and the fish and serve it to everyone just how they need it to be served? And we will give you the glory for every good thing that happens here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The title of the message today is The Birth of a Nation. And point one is God Speaks Again. So here's what the picture is over creation. It says in Genesis 1-2 that darkness was over the face of the earth, and there was chaos on the earth. Everything was dark and chaotic. But that wasn't the whole story. Because it also says this, the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness and the chaos, waiting for God to speak. And when God speaks... Light replaces darkness and order replaces chaos. And that's what happened. And the goodness of God was manifest on the earth. Well, since then, God God has spoken, but but it's all been judgment. He spoke judgment on the serpent. He spoke judgment on Adam and Eve. He spoke judgment on Cain. He spoke judgment, worldwide judgment to Noah. Then he spoke judgment over the Tower of Babel that they built. 
And Babel means confusion or chaos. So what's happened since the beginning, since sin has come into the world, is darkness and chaos have taken over again. But that's not the whole story. Because God's going to speak again. God breaks in again. And he speaks to Abraham. As you think of the Old Testament, there's two ways you can divide the Old Testament. One way is to divide it by chapters or by books, which is how we have it in our Bible. We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. That's one way to think about how to divide up the Old Testament. Actually, there's more than two. But here's one way you can divide it into two pieces. Genesis 1 to 11 is God dealing with the entire earth. Genesis 12 to Malachi is God dealing with one man's family that he's going to make into a nation. The whole earth is dark and chaotic and Genesis 11 ends with this. It tells about Terah, his father, and his wife, Sarai, and it says these words about Sarai. And Sarai was barren. And Sarai wasn't the only one barren. The whole earth was spiritually barren. And then God spoke. The voice of God, the Holy Spirit hovering. And God spoke again. And he said this to Abraham. He said, if you will, if you will leave everything that is familiar to you, if you will leave your relatives and your land and everything, and you will go out and trust me and go to the place I show you, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And then I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world through this nation. I'm going to show what it is to have my blessing and my protection, and I'm going to instruct the world through this one nation. And then he says, I'm going to use this nation to carry the one who is coming, who is going to once again bless the entire world, every family. This nation is going to carry the one coming who is going to bless the whole world because God's passion has always been for the whole world. It's always been for every human being. God spoke again. So before we move on to point two, wherever there is darkness and chaos in your life, Wherever there's darkness and chaos in your finances, darkness and chaos in your marriage, darkness and chaos in your workplace, in your relationships, there's a thousand human things we can blame it on and we can think that we need to do this, 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 this. Let me tell you something. And it's easy to go into despair or be gripped by fear. Let me tell you something. Darkness and chaos in your life is not the whole story. It is not the whole story. Let me tell you why. The Holy Spirit is hovering over every life here. He's waiting. He's waiting. What is he waiting for? God's trying to get our attention because he wants to speak again. This relationship with God where he comes and speaks personally to us is the answer for our life. It is, it is the answer in every circumstance, in every problem, in every difficulty. And it's actually the answer for all the darkness and chaos that is around us, even though people don't know it. God wants to speak to us, and then he wants to speak through us. We are the carriers of his light and his order or his kingdom wherever we go. That's all point one. We're moving on to point two. Walking with God in a dark world. What does it look like to walk with God? Number one, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
Listen to Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I think we can all understand, I want you to leave Haran and I want you to go to Canaan. You leave A and you go to B. And and we we understand that and and that, that makes sense to us. But that's not what God said. God said, I want you to go leave point A and I want you to go not to a play, another place, but I want you to go to a relationship. Leave this place, leave everything that's familiar, and come with me. And trust me, and I'll show you. Yeah, 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 we'll get to that later, where you're supposed to go, but not now. It's really important to me that you go out not knowing where you're going. Doesn't that just kind of break control in you just thinking about it whoa that 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 would mess with me Mm, that's the point that's the point to leave your control the control that we try to set up around ourselves in our circumstances and our relationships and our finances and we try to make our life controllable and God comes in the midst and says I want you to leave here here meaning I want you to leave your control in your mechanisms and I want you to trust me and I want you to walk with me faith involves a, a, or walking with God involves a leaving of that which we can see and control to grab a hold of a relationship that is invisible that becomes our security it becomes the refuge of our life not our money not our r- friends but God himself becomes our security this is what it means Part of what it means to walk with God. How many have ever seen one of those um, Bible graduation cards for kids when they graduate? And they always have a verse on it. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, you buy them for people that are graduating. It's got a nice little verse on it. And nine out of ten times, the verse is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of hope and a future and not to harm you or destroy you. And we give that to graduates and and graduates are, are, you know, filled with the idea, God's got a plan for me. And all I need to do is find out that plan. God, give me that plan and we we will change the world. And oftentimes, so the, our focus is the plan because that's what we all want to know. What are, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? And it's about the plan. Do you have a plan? And, and, and so we take this word plan and we like, this is the answer. We got to get God's plan. <laughs> There's a little truth in that, but it's not the point of the text. The point of the text is this. I know the plan I have for you. You don't. And then you got to go to 12 and 13 to find out what it's talking about. It says, because you don't know the plan, you're going you're gonna to pray. You're going to come to me. And then in verse 13, he says this. And if you seek for me with all your heart, you will find me. Isn't that funny? It doesn't say if you seek for the plan with all your heart, you will finally find the plan. No, no. 
What you're going to get, I've got a plan and you can be at peace. There is a plan. But my goal is not your, the plan. My goal is you. My burning passion, the upper story's passion is that God loves you. God wants to walk with you. God wants to be your friend and he wants you to be his friend. So I have got a good friend. He's a, he's a businessman. He's, uh, he gave me permission to share a little of his story. And through the years, he's just really struggled to walk with God consistently. And, um, but God's been doing some stuff in him. And he is, he's just at a whole nother level. And we talk and lately he has been having visions of Jesus on the cross and he just will have this kind of recurring vision of Jesus on the cross. And last week, while he is having this, again, Jesus on the cross, God speaks to his heart. And here's what God says. I know your heart. Now I want you to know mine. I know your heart. Now I want you to know mine. To not just be God's child, but to become his friend. When we think about this walk with God, a lot of times we think about it like a GPS. Here, here's a GPS, okay? Okay. You are, you are driving along, and when you need to know where to go, a voice says, turn left. Or, or it says, and this one bothers me, because when, when it talks to me, I want there to be action, but sometimes it will talk to you and say, don't exit right here, just keep going straight. Really? Did I need the voice to tell me that? Anyway, um... <laughs> And then, of course, the other voice is recalculating. <laughs> recalculating. Because sometimes you don't like what that voice is telling you because you know a better way and you, you just got to put up with recalculating, recalculating. Anyway. And sometimes that's what we think about our relationship with God is that God is the GPS. He's the divine GPS. And that God speaks to us when we you know, we need to go this way or go that way or, and, and that God will lead us to his plan kind of as the GPS. That's wrong picture. It is absolutely the wrong picture. Here's a better picture. God knows exactly where you need to go and so he gets into the car with you and tells you, this is, this is a special time where we're going to get to know each other. And you don't have to think about where we're going to end up because I'll just tell you when we are. But this is about not you getting to point A to point B. This is about you and I getting to know each other in friendship. Sometimes we're waiting for God to tell us where to go and God's waiting for us to pick up our Bible and read about him and about who he is. And God's waiting for our prayer to change from God, show me where I'm supposed to go to God, show me you. Show me who you are. Show me your heart. God getting you from point A to point B, folks, is the simplest thing for him in the world. He's got, he's got every means to do it. He can, he, can, he can change the world. I think he can get you to Kmart if he wants you to work there. He can get you there. Spend your time and energy getting to know him and trust that he has a plan. He's a good father and he will lead you when you need to want to know. So here's point one, walking with God. How do we walk with God? We walk with God by faith and not by sight. Secondly, 
we see our weaknesses as God's opportunities. So let's say you're God and you're going to want to start a nation. How are you going to do that? First, let's think about how we would do it. Well, we would find a nice, sharp, young couple, clean-cut young couple, make sure that the woman is fertile because we're going to make a nation and we would, we would give that plan to this young, promising couple. When God wants to build a nation, he says, let's, let's find somebody that's 75 years old. <laughs> and I want to make sure that his wife is barren and that it's absolutely impossible for them to have kids on their own. And that's who I want to make a great nation out of. Giving our weaknesses to God is so part of walking with him. Did you know that Abraham, who's called the man of faith throughout scripture, the example of all those who believe, he had a fear problem. Whenever they would get to a a city he had made, Sarah, his wife, Sarah was very beautiful. He had to make an agreement with her. Sarah, if you love me, here's the man of God, the man of courage. Sarah, if you love me, here's what you'll do. When we get to this town, um, and, and, and the king, they're going to want to, they're going to want you. And if they think I'm your husband, they're going to probably kill me. And so honey, would you mind showing your love to me by this? Could you just tell them that you're my sister? <laughs> this happens more than once. Guys, if, if you're going to start a nation, wouldn't you find a man of courage? We're going to call him the man of faith, and he's this guy that struggles with fear. I'm just looking for somebody a little more impressive. You know, the funny thing is, is the reason why we often disqualify ourselves from walking with God is because we can't for this reason, this reason, too sinful, too uh, not gifted enough, not this enough, not that enough, and God's like... (laughs) Everything you just listed actually qualifies you to walk with me. There's only one hero in the walk, and that's him, not you. So God actually, our weaknesses do not put him off. He wants to reveal his grace. He says to Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is actually shown most clearly through your weakness. So last Sunday, after preaching and praying, it was very late, and, and a, a, a man in our congregation, very prophetic man, had waited for everybody to be done. Everybody that wanted to talk, everybody that wanted to pray, and he's still there, and he comes up to me. He says, Pastor Tom, I had a vision of you. And I'm just, I just, I'm, he said, I'm not sure what it means, but I, wanna, I want to share it. And he said, I was looking at you, and all of a sudden, you didn't have a left arm. It's a little freaky. He said, there was a vine coming out of your left arm. And this vine that came out of your left arm was not instead of your left arm, this vine that came out of where your left arm should have been, he said it was very fruitful. And he said, all I know for sure is the Lord said, this is my word to you for this year. He said, it's for the whole year. He said, I don't know what it means, but it's for the whole year. And I said, bro, I know, I know what it means. Not only am I right-handed, but there's, there, the two sports that I'm best at are tennis and football. And in football, I'm the quarterback. In tennis, everything is with your right arm. Everything. 
It is that my forearm would get very strong during tennis season. And of course, a quarterback, it's all on the right arm. The whole team is on that right arm. The right arm, my right arm is my strength. And God was saying, you're going to be fruitful, but it's going to be out of your weakness, not out of your strength. Now, here's the funniest thing, folks. Sometimes the thing that most gets in the way of us walking with God is our strength. Here's what happens with Abraham. He's 75 years old. God speaks this. I'm going to make a great nation. Then God, at some point later, takes him outside. Says, look at the stars. So great are your descendants going to be. Look at them, Abraham. Contemplate. This is how great your descendants are going to be. Abraham is excited. Has anybody noticed that your excitement about what God is doing and what God is saying fades over time when nothing happens? You know, I thought God was promising me a spouse and where are they? (laughs) I thought God had said my business was going to be blessed. I'm on the verge of bankruptcy. What's going on? So, Abraham, 10 years go past. He's now 85 years old, and nothing has happened. The nation is supposed to start. We're going to build a nation, God. We need to get going. And so Sarah gets an idea. Let, Let me give you my maidservant. Maybe that's what God intended all along. God... God gave us common sense, hello. Maybe God wants us to use our head and figure out how to fulfill this thing. Hello. And Abraham, of course, that's very logical. And he's like, okay, let's do this. So he has, sleeps with Hagar and they have Ishmael and, and God goes silent for 13 years. Years, God goes silent. About that, maybe they spoke about other things and he got to know him, but about that, 13 years. He's 99 years old now. And God comes and speaks to him again. And he says this. He says, Abraham, and we might have the verse up here, maybe not. The verse... Good, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. (laughs) Sometimes it's better if the verse isn't up there because then you can't correct me. (laughs) He appears to Abraham again and he says this. Abraham, I am God almighty. Walk blameless before me. And then he proceeds to tell him that he's going to change his name to Abraham because he's going to be a father and he's not going to use Ishmael. He's going to use, or Hagar, he's going to use Sarah. And the promise is going to be Isaac. So here's what he's saying. Abraham, I am God Almighty. When he says walk blameless, here's what he's saying. Abraham, Stop trying to help me do my part. I am almighty God. I do not need you to come up with a plan of how we can have a kid. Uh, There is no resistance to my plan. I need you to trust me. I need you to walk blameless before me. And walking blameless means stop trying to do my part. Stop worrying about my part. Stop manipulating to try to get my part to happen. Walk blameless. Trust me. Walk with me. I read the one-year Bible every day. This morning's, we're, no, we're now in Exodus and God's giving all the commands for the tabernacle and, and this is usually where people stop reading the one-year Bible. You know, they, get, they started, they were fine in Genesis and then you get into building the tabernacle and you get a little more groggy and drink a little more coffee and, and then at some point, well, once you get into Leviticus, my oh my, you gotta press through Leviticus. 
So here's the verse this morning. This is one of the verses. Do not make a fire on the Sabbath day. Do not make a fire on the Sabbath day. What's that got to do with us? Everything that was written in the, in the law, the ceremonial law, foreshadows what is fulfilled in Christ. And perhaps the largest sign of the Old Testament for the covenant of the Jewish people, we'll see that later, is Sabbath. The Sabbath is what set them apart for God. Sabbath, the Sabbath day, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus today We don't rest on a day today. We rest in a person. You couldn't work on the Sabbath or you'd get killed. Jesus said, you must find your salvation in me. You cannot make salvation by works. You must rest. Christianity demands rest in me. Do not make a fire on the Sabbath. What does that mean for us today? God doesn't want you to provide the energy and zeal of your Christianity. He wants to provide it. Peter was more than willing. Peter is a very strong-willed man. Peter is ready to do this thing. And he says, Lord, I will die for you. Everybody else, maybe, uh, yeah, I could see all of them falling away, but not me. I will die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, stop, Peter. Okay? Love you, Peter. Appreciate your excitement. But we're not going to use your fire. We're not going to use your excitement. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. You're going to deny me three times. I need you to come to the end of your own zeal and your own energy. I need you to be broken. I need your right arm to be broken. And then one of the appearances, one of the resurrection appearances that we do not get details of was to Peter. He he appeared to Peter separately and restored him. And then he got all of the disciples around him and said, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon all of you. And you're going to receive power, dunamis, from heaven. And then you will be my witnesses. God wants to be more than we think he wants to be in the new covenant. He wants to be the fire in our hearts. He wants us to bring our dead, cold hearts. He wants us to bring our failed commitment, our fire, our zeal. I'll serve you. I'll follow you. I used to live for the devil. Now I'm going to live for God. Well, go ahead and try for a while, and you're going to fall flat on your face. I will never do X again. I will never lust again. I will never do this because I love Jesus. Good luck because that's what you'll need. And then we interpret, interpret our failure as I can't be a Christian, I guess. I guess, I guess you got to be good, a good person to be a Christian because I've tried. I've tried with all my heart and I can't do it. So I, I must not be the material God was looking for to be a Christian. People give up on Christianity when that is part of the process of you being qualified to be a Christian. God's not using your fire. He needs you to be broken, not just committed. (coughs) Oh boy, I got to move. Here we go. How do we walk with God? Thirdly, we are asked to be all in. Genesis 22, verses one and two. The Bible says that God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love. 
and sacrifice him. I'm going to take you to the region of Moriah. I didn't just show you a place. I'm going to show you where you're going to sacrifice him. It's the first time the word love is used in the Bible. Was not Abraham's love for God or God's love for us. It's Abraham's love for his only son. And God tests it. And he says, Abraham, I want you to be all in. I'll take you. I'll take you with your fears. I'll take you with your barrenness. I'll take you however. But I need you to be all in. I need you to hold absolutely nothing back from me. Abraham, everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. He gets to Egypt, he builds an altar. He, he, or I'm sorry, gets to Canaan, he builds an altar. Whenever he had an encounter with God, he would build an altar. Abraham was all in for God. There was nothing off limits, including Isaac. He is all in. God, you are everything. I am all in. And folks, this is part of walking with God is God will ask you, invite you to be all in. God gives us somebody else to show what it looks like to be part in. His name is Lot. Genesis 12, 4 says this, Abraham went forward as God spoke to him and Lot went with him. Lot's relationship with God did not require God himself to lead. Lot was just going along. He was just going along. Somebody else really believed. Somebody else really was into this thing. And we just kind of went along. We have not one record of Lot making an altar anywhere. And you watch Lot. Now, here's, here's what we need to know about Lot. Lot made it to heaven. Second Peter says it. He made it to heaven. Barely. First Corinthians 3 says some people will make it as through fire. Because it is God's gift to be saved that's given to us in Jesus. But you know, want to know how Lot ended his life? Lot had fear and the fears grew. They didn't get smaller. And he ended up living in a cave with his two daughters hiding in fear. That's, that's how Lot ended. Do you know how Abraham ended? God took him as he was and fear got pushed out. And by the end of his life, Abraham has kings coming to him saying, please be nice to me. Make a covenant. Abraham went wherever he wanted to walk. He wasn't hiding in a cave. He went wherever he wanted to. And kings came out with their army and said, please, God is with you. Make a covenant with us that you won't hurt us. See, when we're all in for God, God will be all in for us. And just because we've started in fear doesn't mean God wants to not remove and untie fear. It it only happens when we're all in, folks. The most miserable person is the part in Christian. Walking with God is a great adventure if you're all in. Okay, so here's how we end. Jesus said in Luke 24, 27, he said, it says he began with Moses and the prophets and began sharing scripture, all of the scripture that was about him. Because the upper story was always the same, God's passion was always about redemption. The tree of life was always for God, the cross. It was always with Jesus in mind. We see Jesus, if we'll just listen, if we'll just look for him, we see Jesus everywhere. It's called four shadows, shadows that are before of the one that's coming. Uh, Perhaps there's no greater foreshadowing in the whole Old Testament of the Trinity than here in Genesis. Genesis 22, 1, it says, Abraham, Abraham, twice, take your son, your only son whom you love and sacrifice him. Abraham foreshadows the father. His name means father. His name is changed from Abram to Abraham to give him the name father. He is foreshadowing the father. 
who is going to take his only son and is going to sacrifice him. This is a foreshadowing of the father. Then we have Isaac, the only son. Do you know what is in the region of Moriah? Go and I'm going to show you a mount in the region of Moriah. Do you know what mount is in the region of Moriah? Calvary. Christian tradition holds that Isaac, the place of sacrifice, was Calvary. It was a foreshadowing. Do you know what it says in, in Genesis 22? That Abraham took the wood for the sacrifice and put it on Isaac's back. And he climbs this mountain with the wood of sacrifice on his back. And then Isaac asks a question, which I think is a fair question. He says, Father, he says, we have the wood and we have the fire. But where is the lamb? And here's what Father, the father says. He says, son, God himself will provide the lamb. They get to the top. Abraham ties Isaac down. He raises the knife. The angel says, don't, don't do it. I know now that you fear God. And then he sees a male lamb that is caught in the thicket. And he takes that male lamb and sacrifices that male lamb. Have you ever thought about what was happening in heaven while this is going? Because I see the Father in heaven with tears streaming down his face. Because Jesus, Isaac doesn't, isn't the only representative here of Jesus. Isaac and the Lamb. He is both the only son and the Lamb of God. And where Abraham, father, this forefather, was stopped, he will not stop. He, this is the only way for the sins of the world to be removed is that he takes his son, his only son whom he loves and sacrifices him as the lamb of God for the sins of the whole world. How do we get saved? Let me tell you how. God himself has provided a lamb for your salvation. It's the only way to be saved is through the blood of Christ. The next time we see Isaac or hear of Isaac, it's in Genesis 24, two chapters later. And now we, have, we, we complete the Trinity because Father Abraham takes his unnamed servant and he, he, he says, listen, I am sending you back to Haran. I'm sending you back to the homeland and I'm commissioning you to find a bride for my son. And the unnamed servant says back to him, I'll do it. I will go. He, he equips him with some of the wealth, just, just a foretaste of the wealth of Isaac. And he says, I will go. I will do it. I will make the invitation. But what if she doesn't come? And the father says this, if she will not come, you are released from the oath. You do not have the authority to force her, but only to invite her. So Isaac, or this unnamed servant, comes to Rebekah. There is a divine appointment which is set up because God has chosen, is chosen to invite Rebekah. And he says these words. He, he starts putting earrings in her ears and a necklace, and it's just a foretaste. And he says this. He says, listen, my master has left everything to his son. And that son is the one that you are invited to marry. And they go back to Rebecca's house and Laban, who is her dad, says, yeah, 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 uh, we'll, we'll do it. Give us 10 days and then we'll do it. And this unnamed servant says, sir, my matter is very urgent. I am leaving tomorrow morning with or without her. And, and Laban says this, well, then we, we need to let the girl herself 
decide. Laban says to the to his daughter Rebecca, to the bride, the bride to be, will you go with this man? And she she says, I will go. And do you know what happens the next morning? Rebecca does exactly what Abraham did. She leaves all of her relationships, she leaves all of her security, and she goes with a man who she doesn't even know yet. And that man is commissioned with making her the bride. They get to talk all the way about who he is, who the the bridegroom is, and and what he has, and and everything about him. And, And then he's commissioned to bring her to the only son whom she will marry. The unnamed servant is the Holy Spirit. He foreshadows the Holy Spirit's role. You and I are Rebecca. Rebecca foreshadows us. Here's what's going on on the planet today. The Holy Spirit has been sent back to this earth by the Father to get a bride for the Son. And he is, he's inviting you, and he's inviting you, and he's inviting you, and he's inviting you. And in our humanity, we say, you know what, maybe later, 10 days maybe, maybe, maybe. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, no. This is urgent. Do you remember the last parable Jesus told about the father, the king, that was having a a wedding for his son and sent out the invitations and, and people said, you know what, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. The Holy Spirit is offering something unbelievable to every one of us. But you and I don't set the terms. Will you go with him? Will you answer? Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. How does he knock? He says, uh, Jesus gives how it's going to work to his disciples. He says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and whatever he hears, I will speak to him. And whatever he hears, he'll speak to you. So Jesus is knocking. He's, he's, he, it's by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to knock. His Holy Spirit's job is to propose to you. Will you leave everything and come with him? Isn't God amazing? All right, let's, can we bow our heads for a moment? I got two groups we're going to pray for and we'll be done. <clears throat> The first group is simply this. You, you are here today and you're not sure you're saved. You're not sure you're forgiven. You're not sure if you died today that you would go to heaven. I have got such great news for you. God loves you and God has provided a lamb for you. Jesus came to die for your sins. You cannot save yourself. Your religion, your fire cannot save yourself. Your good works cannot save you. God's made a way of salvation, and it's not that. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will have relationship. And it says that you will receive, at that moment, the gift of eternal life, because that was God's plan, was to give it to you. So if that is you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand real high? We're going to pray that prayer in just a moment. All over this place, just raise your hand if that's you, and we're going to have that prayer. Okay. Okay, second call. Could we stand to our feet? You are convinced that you are probably lot. (laughs) That you're kind of in, you've prayed the prayer, you are a Christian, but you've just, your adventure, here's a good way to find out. Your adventure is not your walk with God. Your adventure is football. Your adventure is your work. Your adventure is your marriage. Your adventure... You would never think of your walk with God as an adventure. Let me tell you why. You're not all in. You're not all in. And 
what happens is your life becomes smaller and smaller, folks, till you end up living in a cave. And yep, you'll make heaven because Jesus is faithful to his promise. But God's got so much more for you down here. But you've got to let go and say, Jesus, I'm all in. The rich one, young ruler said, he was a really good guy and he listed all the commands that he kept and he says, but he knows this. It's not an advantage. He says, what do I lack? Jesus says, you lack one thing. Here's what you lack. Abandonment. Abandonment. And it says that Jesus' heart was filled with love for the rich young ruler. And he loves you. He loves me. He doesn't ask us to go all in so that he can take stuff away from us. He just wants us to know something more than human security. Anyway, whatever. I could talk forever. If if that's you, just open your arms like this. We're just going to have a prayer. Lord, we don't want to be half in. Many of us, the reason why we're half in is because we were all in before, but we're disappointed. We're disillusioned. We tried before. It's taken too long. And it's just so easy to to guard our hearts and to just say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be about this world and praise God, I'll go to heaven one day. But Lord, we want to be all in. Individually and as a church, we don't want to be half in. We don't want to be locked. We want to be all in. Holy Spirit, would you come and light the fire? We give you our wounded hearts. We give you our dead hearts. We give you our, this is a big one, bored hearts. Would you light the fire again? It says the Holy Spirit came and fire rested on every head. Lord, there was a fire for every head. There wasn't just a fire for Peter. There was a fire for every head. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come in this place today. Come in this place and light a fire in every heart. In every heart, Jesus, come. Will you go with this man? Yes, yes. Yes! Now, Lord, prepare us for your coming. Prepare us for the bridegroom, the eternal bridegroom. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen, Amen, guys. God bless you.